Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. This morning as I came to church, I was uh, greeted with people who said, Hey, you're a COVID survivor, and uh, (laughs) I guess I am. Uh, I'm grateful. I just want to say thank you to everyone. I know you have been praying for us and our family, and and many of you have actually also uh, survived COVID. So... uh, I feel like this a closer bond with many of you this morning, uh, COVID survivors. Um, thank you very much for your prayers. Dan and I were in a hospital visiting uh, a young lady uh, several years ago, and uh, she was in a wing with, with other patients. And so we decided to do a just because I love you gift. And so we, we put together this basket full of uh, uh, you know, fruit and other types of food and uh, quick packets to make your soup and all these different things and uh, some toiletries, lotion and you know, different things uh, that, that she would appreciate having at the hospital. So we put this in a basket. We were so proud of ourselves. And we went to the hospital and uh, we went, we walked past all of the other patients in this wing and found her and, and sat beside her bed and talked to her and, and gave her our, our gift of goodies and uh, prayed with her, and then as we were talking and laughing and talking about different things, she she just very subtly uh, took the, the basket and uh, kept talking to us, but started walking around and giving everything in this basket to other patients uh, in, in the wing, and just handed, and basically uh, shared the entire basket of goodies with the entire wing. Uh, and Den and I were blown away by this. We were... <laughs> Uh, the, the thought came to mind, you don't see that every day, uh, that, that people are so graciously sharing everything that they have. And yet, uh, this is a child of God. This is what people who love Jesus do. Uh, they do things that are different and unique, uncommon. Uh, it's, it's the kind of love that Jesus Christ invites us to as an uncommon love. And this is what she was demonstrating, was a kind of love that you just don't see every day. Matthew 5 Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, uh, is a passage that is one of the most probably challenging things that Jesus ever said. I'm going to read this to you. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I realize that none of us can read this passage and just slough it off like it's normal, right? This is not normal. <laughs> we, we operate most of the time in something that's completely, totally opposite of this passage. We basically spend most of our time in love only the people that like us, our friends. That's where we park. That's our normal. What is clear from the words of Jesus We can't take this lightly. What is clear from the words of Jesus is that the manner in which we love needs to be reconsidered. 
let's this morning just welcome to New Song Family Church. <laughs> let's begin the evaluation process now. All right, you ready? It's not a test. We're just a personal evaluation of ourselves. Do I love only people that are easy to love? Let me just pause with that question. Do I love people that are easy to love? That's the only people I hang out with are people who are easy to hang out with. We're doing personal evaluation this morning, New Song Family Church. All right. Hope you're doing all right. Great. Do I love my enemies? That's the big question. All right. Let me pause there for a moment. Do you love your enemies? Do I love my enemies? Do I pray for others who make my life miserable? You, you might pray against people that make your life miserable. Have you ever had those prayers before? Those are interesting prayers. Lord, please smite them. You know, please. Show them your power. Yeah. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that before? Yeah. Convict them so badly that their stomach is in knots. Yes. The reason why this passage is so interesting is because we probably never do what this passage says. Our normal is that we usually operate in a totally different realm of what Jesus is asking in this passage. Last, last evaluation question, and we'll keep thinking on these the rest of the morning, I hope. But um, how does my love compare with people who are not followers of Jesus? So if I evaluate myself, I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, how am I any different than someone who is not a follower of Jesus Christ? Is my behavior any different? Or, it, or am I just basically a carbon copy of someone who doesn't follow Jesus Christ? Now look at your life. Examine your life. Examine the way you love. Are you any different than people who don't follow Jesus? Matthew 5, verse 43 says this. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. All right? Jesus is introducing this passage by saying, look, you've heard this said. This is what's normal. All right? <laughs> This is normal. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? Gosh, we can agree, right? What's normal? Hate your enemy. Hate your enemy is normal for us, right? With many, actually hating your enemy is a cultural pastime. It's something we do very well. It's a virtue, if you will, in most cultures. Matter of fact, we're kind of proud of hating our enemies. In some families, it's actually considered disrespectful, dishonoring to our forefathers, if we don't hate and get revenge on their enemies or the children of their enemies. That, that's how twisted culture has become. For me to respect my elders, I need to hate their enemies. Isn't that crazy? But that's the backward world that we live in. Hate and revenge are expected to last from generation to generation as a sign of respect to the ancestors. Wow. Listen, this, this thinking is highly developed and of course, self-serving, right? For things to go well, basically for, for things to go well for me in this life, I need to hate and get revenge on anyone who has hurt my ancestors. That's the process of thinking. These are the cultures to which a lot of us belong to. Don't, and if you feel like uh, this is just 
your culture, don't worry. This is common in every society in the world. So if you're looking at yourself and saying, man, I got a rotten culture. No, no, no. You have friends around the world who, who believe that this is important that we get revenge, that we don't love. We continue to avenge whatever has happened to the people who've gone before us. If you feel like the shoe fits, don't worry. You have friends around the world. The way of the children of God, though, is different. So as we become a child of God, God becomes the most important uh, part of our ancestral lineage. And, and, and God is now the one we want to please. A child of God then behaves in a different way. A child of God begins then not to get revenge, not to hate, but to act with love. And of course, this is different. This is uncommon. This is different than what we're used to. Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. The nature of God is to do the opposite of what is normal in our cultures. Amen? It's, it's different. It's not our normal. But as we become a child of God, all of a sudden we behave in a different way. It's incredible. The nature of God, God gives sunlight and rain to both good people and bad people. God blesses good people and bad people. What is that all about? Harold S. Kushner, who, who wrote the book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Maybe some of you have read this book. It's, a, it's an extraordinary book. I recommend it if you haven't read it. It's an incredible question that we ask often when we see that bad things happen to good people. We wonder, well, you know, where is the justice in this world? Well, there's no justice in this world, by the way. But when bad things happen to good people, how do we operate? How do we function? That's one question we ask when we think about these kinds of challenging verses of Scripture, the way of Jesus. The other question we have, too, though, is this. Uh, why do good things happen to bad people? Have you ever asked that question before? And for a lot of people, we actually believe that great things happen to bad people, but only bad things happen to good people. I love what uh, one uh, journalist said this. He says, why do good things happen to bad people? And so many bad things happen to good people. It sometimes feels like we're living in a perpetual opposite day where love yourself, not your neighbor, seems to be the golden rule. And true, and uh, take and you shall receive, appears to be the principle of abundance. In the self-help spiritual arena, the pain is felt even more acutely. Where is the karma, people ask? The law of cause and effect, the law of attraction. If you're a good human being, good stuff is supposed to happen to you, right? But it just seems like the rich are getting richer. And very often, it seems like the rich who are getting richer are the, the very ones who have created scenarios and politics so that the poor get poor. So this is like not only are they getting richer, but they're also intentionally making the poor poor. And, and if you're not a rich person today, you might have that philosophy. You might think that's really how the world runs, that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, and that it's intentional on the rich person's part to make the poor poor. Where is the justice in this? 
love your enemies? I'm supposed to love the rich who made me poor? And yet God loves the wicked, the sinner, right? This is the nature and the heart of God. And by the way, no one is good. Everyone is a bad person. So when you ask the question, why do good things happen to bad people? Then essentially, maybe you're looking at yourself from the perspective that you think maybe you're good. What does Romans 3 have to say about this? Romans 3, verse 10. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Uh, it's not on the, on the PowerPoint this morning, but I'm going to continue reading in this. Uh, and then we're going to jump to still with the verse there, Romans 3, uh, verse 23. But it goes on. He goes on to say, their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Paul really is outdoing himself here. Snake venom drips from their lips. That's how bad we are. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. But Romans 3.23, this is an amazing passage. I would ask you to commit it to memory. For who has sinned? Everyone has sinned. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Please, can we just say amen to that? For all have sinned. One of the reasons why we, Jesus asked us to love our enemies is because we are enemies of God ourselves. Only Christ can change us and transform us, and so love them. Christ can change. It's not our nature, is it, to love? It's not our nature. The nature of God is to love bad people. This is all through Scripture. This is all of His behavior was to love the lowliest, the worst of sinners is the character of God. And that's one reason why I am a child of God today, because God loved me when I was still a sinner. Praise the Lord that God saw past my stupidity, the evilness of my character, and says, I love you, and I can change you. That, that's the love of God. It's not our nature, is it? You see through Scripture these stories, you know the story of Jonah? Jonah is sent to Nineveh, right? To, to declare forgiveness and asking them to repent. Is Jonah happy about it? Not at all. <laughs> he says, I knew if I told them about you, you they would repent and you would forgive them. I, I remember. And he runs away from God. He runs away from the, the, the heart of God, that is to love the lost world. Hops on a boat, eventually ends up in a well, and then is spat back up on the sea and then begins to share the gospel again, basically, this good news. So he's an unwilling, unwitting missionary. Yeah. Jesus loves you. I don't, but Jesus loves you. And that's how we are. That's how we are. You ever heard of a guy named Putin? Putin? Yeah. He's like enemy number one, right, in the world today. I mean, I think the whole world is united around the fact that we just don't like Putin. All right. What, what do you think should happen to Putin? 
I mean, think about it. Do you want him to die? Do you want him to be destroyed? What is it we want to happen to Putin? We want Putin to be overthrown. There, by the way, there are plans to get him overthrown. That's all kinds of governments are clandestinely trying to figure out how to get this guy overthrown. Jesus asked us to love Putin and pray for him. Can you think about what is the greatest thing that could happen to him? Salvation. He could be transformed. Even Putin could be changed by Jesus Christ. Think about that. Love your enemies. The character of God is different than our character. Absolutely different. Love your enemies. It's interesting when Peter writes uh, to the believers, uh, Peter writes a letter to the believers who were, who were frustrated because Jesus had not returned yet to take them back to heaven. And so he, he addresses this. He says, you know, Jesus promised we were going to be taken back and we're sick and tired of this world. Why is Jesus Christ delaying? And Peter writes this. My dear friends, <laughs> uh, he says this. I want you to recall what the holy prophets foretold as well as what the Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most important, know this. In the last days, scoffers will come, jeering, living by their own cravings and saying, where is the promise of his coming? After all, nothing has changed, not since the beginning of creation, nor ever since the ancestors died. And this is here for you, 2 Peter 1, verse 9. I believe I have it there. Great. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness. But he, he is patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire and the earth with all the works done on it will be exposed. The reason for this delay, the reason why we're still sitting in this mess with surrounded by enemies, by the way, we have all kinds of enemies, right? I'm sure you have your list. I have my list. But the reason why we're sitting in this world is because of God's patience and kindness, delaying, hoping, to find those lost people so they also can be transformed and be changed and become children of God. His patience is, is because of his love for those very enemies that are making your life potentially miserable. God's love is uncommon, it's different. It leans towards forgiveness. If, if God is characterized in any way, he should be always characterized in leading towards forgiveness and having compassion and mercy instead of being the judger of the earth, the, the one who condemns. He says, I came not to condemn the world, but the world might have what? Life. John 3, right? That I came that the world might have life. Romans 5, one more passage here. Jesus came to us when we were utterly helpless, right? Romans 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, now, most people will not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. We need to understand that God has come to us when we could do nothing for ourselves. Uh, think about your life. I'm sure there's been times in your life where you just couldn't do anything for yourself, but someone came and helped you. You ever been there before? I'm standing here this morning uh, because people love me enough to help me when I couldn't help myself. 
There have been many times in my life where I just couldn't function. Every time, there was a time in my life where I broke my ankle. I couldn't function. I couldn't walk. I could barely do anything for myself. Praise the Lord. Dana took care of me in, in the middle of my utter helplessness. This is the love of God. This is unique. It's different. It's, it's different than what we're, what we're used to. Jesus loves in an uncommon way. Maybe a good way for you, to, for you and I to think about this this morning is to ask ourselves the question uh, of this. It's the kind of love that makes you think, why are you doing this for me? I've, I've, I've been the recipient several times of this over-the-top love where I asked the question, why are you doing this for me? I actually questioned their motives, thinking they wanted something from me because it was such an amazing, generous gift. I was recently in a, uh, in a department store um, <coughs> buying some clothes, and uh, this lady came up behind me hovering. She worked at the store and it started making me feel uncomfortable. So I turned around, and she looked at me, and she says, can I help you? And I, I seriously questioned her motives. She's just trying to help me. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Why are you here? I was in an airport recently, and uh, I was trying to find a rental car. It's a huge parking lot. And there was a gentleman there trying to show me the right way to find my car. But I questioned his motives. And so I totally ignored him and just walked past him and um, spent the next 30 minutes looking in the wrong parking lot. When I finally realized I was in the wrong place, I came back and this guy was standing in the lobby waiting for me. He says, I tried to tell you. And then he pointed me in the right direction. We're not used to this kind of help. We're not used to this kind of love. But the invitation of Christ for you and for me is to behave in a different way. God's love is uncommon. It's different. And that's the invitation in this passage. If we're honest with ourselves, we expect people to be racist, right? We kind of live our lives, most of us expecting people to be racist or to be judgmental. We expect them to be intolerant. We expect them to lie. We expect them to steal stuff from us. We expect people to be harsh. That's, that's how the world functions. That's, that's typical in the world. Not so the church. The body of Christ is expected to be different than that, to love in an uncommon way. Jesus gives us some great logical reasons to be this kind of a person. Look at Matthew 5, verse 46. He appeals to our desire for reward. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is that? What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. He appeals to our desire for reward. This is an interesting motivation, isn't it? I think about people who, when I was in school, uh, who wanted to figure out how to get extra credit on their exams. Do you know those people? You may be one of those people. Yes, I want to make 100, but I want to make 110%. I'd like to actually make you know, extra credit. I had a friend who was always going to the teacher and asking this question. Thank you, this is a great exam, but is there anything here where I can get extra points? I don't want just an A, I want an A+. Plus. You know, I really want to go for the go. I want it truly something. And so the teacher very often would say, yes, if you answer this question, uh, you will get this extra credit. 
we desire rewards. And we desire for whatever we do to actually have some impact. What Jesus is saying here is simple. If we love like everyone else, there's no reward. But if we, if we love like he asked us to love, then there is reward. You may be asking yourself, if I love my enemy, what possible reward could there be? Right? It might, you think, the only reward I'm going to get is a headache, stress, and, and, and more than likely, if I love my enemy, they're just going to be even ruder to me. What possible reward? We've already said it this morning. How about the reward that they would be changed forever because of the love of Jesus Christ in their life? What, what if that, if you could see that as the reward? What an amazing re- reward. This is the incredible thing about salvation is that not only does Jesus Christ forgive offense, but Jesus Christ also transforms the individual. This is incredible. This is like a two for one, right? Yes, I forgive you and I can change you. Just to give you an idea perspective, we have uh, prisons all over the world to, to somehow to, to restore people, to make them better. We usually end up punishing people and we never change them. Our penal system, our prisons, very rarely transform an individual. And we're often stuck in this belief that, that somehow um, some people will be like they are for the rest of their life, that there's no hope for any kind of transformation. That's just, we, we, we like the phrase, that's just who they are. And very often we expect that no one can really change. This is not true with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is able not only to forgive the sins, however horrible and heinous they are, but to transform that person into a good person. Christ can change us. And therefore, it makes sense, right? This is the reward that's potential. If you love your enemy, they can be changed forever. And they can stop being your enemy, but also they can stop being the enemy of many others. Basically, you become the intervention. You become the one who actually is the the example, the picture of Jesus Christ in their life so that they can be changed. You become now the missionary to your enemy instead of the hater of your enemy. That's the reward, right? Not everyone is interested, though, in extra rewards. Some people like just their salary, and that's it. Not everyone's wired this way, looking for extra reward. So Jesus goes on. He says, if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. This is God, uh, Jesus appealing to us wanting to be different and unique. Now, how many of you want to be like everybody else? I know the answer to that question because all of us are wearing similar branded, you know, clothes and uh, we... We, we, like, we like our nice shoes, and we like to blend in. Most of us like to blend in. But most of us want to be unique in some way, right? You want to rise above the rest. Uh, one of the greatest things in our world today is the desire to be famous, which is to be unique, to be different. And Jesus appeals to this idea of you wanting to be different, saying if you love like everyone else, you're no different than anyone else. You're common. He says, invites you to be different, to be catalytic, to be a changer of society instead of like everyone else. As one person said, invites us to be a catalyst instead of a chameleon. Be different. The invitation is to be different. 
Do you want to be like everyone else and buy a Toyota? Yeah. 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 I'm right there with you, brother. They're with you. Yeah. Or do you want to drive a Mitsubishi and get to know your mechanic? I mean, it's an incredible opportunity. Buy Mitsubishi are different, and then you have opportunity, ample opportunity to share the gospel with that mechanic because you're going to get to know him. <laughs> I would say that's also true with Land Rover. Let me not digress, though. Especially, yeah, right. If you want to get to know your mechanic and get grease all over your hands, buy a Land Rover. All right. Is this necessary for me to be this hateful this morning? Probably not. No, no, no. no. Buy Toyota. Just buy Toyota. Be, be like everyone else. Uncommon love is different than what's normal, and we're invited to this difference. Look at yourself. God is inviting you and me to be different in the way we love. So when you evaluate yourself, ask yourself, are you any different than people who don't follow Christ? That raises that first question we asked this morning. Evaluate yourself. How do you love that's different than anyone else? And then... This last sentence is one that has challenged generation after generation after generation. But you are to be what? Perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow. It's interesting, the Bible, when it talks about perfection, it's always linked to how we love. Perfection is always defined in Scripture as the degree to which we love. Now, I just got over COVID, and one of the ways that I determined whether or not I was still in the middle of COVID or getting over COVID was my thermometer. We know these things, right? And uh, gosh, I, I put it under my armpit and then I would clean it off and try to see if I get a more accurate reading of temperature and put it in my mouth. You, you know how this works, right? I measured my temperature over and over again to see. So because I was looking for that day, that, that 24 hour period when I didn't have fever anymore. And so I knew that I was on the way to getting better because of my thermometer. I would read my thermometer. And finally, I had a full day with no fever. I've never had fever like this as an adult, by the way. Uh, if you ever get COVID, it's, just, it's incredible, uh, the fever. Anyway, we measure, I measured my health based on my thermometer. Um, I, I do this with uh, cooking chicken. I'm, I like to bry, but I'm a terrible chicken briar. Uh, that's like, you know, the, the holy grail of cooking is being able to really do a chicken right. Not overcook it, not undercook it. Uh, and my son taught me how to, to, to do this, to get it perfect, is to go buy a thermometer, a meat thermometer, and, and plug it into your chicken. And uh, by the time it gets to a certain temperature, you know, pull it off the grill. It's ready. When it comes to perfection, right? Perfection is measured by a love thermometer if you will. If you're wanting to know how perfect you are, the measurement of your perfection is the degree to which you are loving. So you think you're perfect, but you have zero love, you're not perfect. This perfection goes together with a love. As your love increases, you become more perfect. This is how God measures perfection. I understand for all of us, this is a difficult and overwhelming thought. I'm not going to lie to you. 
when I read this passage, I go, there's no way I'm ever going to be perfect. It's like chasing something that I will never achieve at. I don't know if you feel that way when you read this, but the command to be perfect as your heavenly father is, you talk about a standard that is impossible. But God asks us to be perfect nonetheless, just like his father is perfect in heaven. Now, if you will this morning, just sit with me for a second, all right? <laughs> don't get overwhelmed. Don't just say, forget it, that's impossible. Let, let's, let's, let's think through this together. John 13, verse 34 and 35 says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. What is it? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will do what? Say it with me. Prove. You see it up? Is it up there? There it is. Will what? Prove that you are my disciples. This is a thermometer reading. This is the evidence that we are becoming perfective if we actually have love. I'm going to briefly just go through a few realities about perfection. All right? So hang on. You'll never be perfect in this life. All right? You will never be perfect in this life. Jesus is working in you towards perfection. Okay? Does that make sense to everyone? You will never be perfect in this life. Jesus is working in you towards perfection. We are becoming perfect. That's what's happening. As we become children of God, we become this person over time. We add to brotherly affection love. We, we add to our faith virtue. We, we build up to this process of becoming perfect. The command of Christ to be perfect, just like the Heavenly Father is perfect, is, is written before all of these personal testimonies and confessions of, of people throughout the New Testament who explain in graphic detail that they haven't reached perfection yet, but they're, they're working towards it. Philippians 3 is one of the most famous ones. I don't know if I have it up here or not, but it says this. Paul said this, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. It says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies before. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. The, the process now is this refining process to become perfect. So if you were overwhelmed with that first sentence, are you back with me again? Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back. May God give you peace. <laughs> as you walk towards this perfection. The perfection that we're talking about is something that God does within us. Uh, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that we are supposed to become Jesus. And so we do this on our own energy, on our own strength. We try to emulate, imitate Christ in the sense that we do it all in our own strength, and our own power. We become perfectionist and we become stressed out. And we live in a... In a in an anxious environment that we've created for ourselves. The intention of driving towards perfection is only done through the power of Jesus Christ within us. As we follow Christ, not become like Christ, or be, sorry, not become like, not become Jesus, but we become like Christ. We imitate him. That's the message is 
is this idea of becoming like him. First John 3, it's not up there either, but is this Paul saying that at some point we're going to see him face to face and we're going to become what? Like him. The, the apostle John said this, is that we don't, we're not like him yet, but when we see him face to face, we will become like him. We are his children. That's who we are, John says. But that when we see him, we're going to become like him because we'll see him face to face. That's when that perfection actually really crystallizes is the moment we see him face to face. So what do we do in the meantime? We don't stay overwhelmed. We don't read this passage and say, man, Jesus, I just can't forget it. The worst thing you could do with this passage is to just set it aside like it's not in the Bible. Jesus is expecting perfection, just like his Father in heaven is perfect. However, Jesus is the one who perfects us. We see this all through Scripture. Uh, Hebrews says this, is that God is at work in us, right? Look to Jesus, the author and what? Perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him would do the cross, despising and shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. The, the, the Jesus is the one, the Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, is the one who perfects our faith. So just a few tips, quick tips here. Follow. Keep your eyes focused on the perfect one. Are you perfect? No. And by the way, you won't be perfect until you see him face to face. But perfection is being established inside you through Christ himself. So we keep our eyes on the perfect one. Are we perfect? No, but Jesus is. So we focus on the perfect one. We set our eyes on him. And the Bible is packed through of tips of how we actually do this successfully. Uh, Ephesians 5 says this, and I do believe I have that one. Oh, great. Imitate, follow God. That word imitate is the Greek word for follow. Right? Imitate him. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with what? Filled with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us and, and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma. So we, we chase after Jesus Christ. We don't become Jesus. We become like Jesus. We follow him. And we allow Christ to do his work in us, to perfect us, to bring us to that level of perfection. And we just build up on our character, right? As Peter said, I don't have this on PowerPoint, but he says this, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patience and endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. We, we build up our character. We follow, we chase after Jesus Christ. We build up our character. We intentionally try to add these good character qualities to our lives. We intentional about it. We evaluate ourselves. When I said this, was I being nice? And we ask other people to, to help us out with that. Did that sound nice when I said this? <laughs> and and I, I ask my wife to do this all the time. Bless her heart. It's not fair to my wife. She says, did I sound okay when I said this? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I can trust Anna most of the time because she's so complimentary to me. She's always very nice. Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> I know I'm not. Yeah. Dan is amazing. Extraordinary. And she's affirming. And she helps me to see uh, problems in my life because I ask her. You, you might need to get someone to help you with that. Ask somebody. When I said this, how did I come across? We all need a, a character check checker in our lives. And some of us have character checkers in our life, whether we've asked for them or not. Uh, 
You may have a name in mind. You may be thinking, oh, I don't know. Yeah. There's things she tells me all the time I don't want to know. Did I say she? I'm sorry. There are, th yeah. there are things he tells me. So build up our character. Build on our character. It's this idea of building a, a building that ultimately the roof of this building is love. Add to your brotherly affection, love. So it's a process. Follow, chase after Christ. Build your, up your character. And then uh, Galatians talks about this idea of being led by the Spirit. All right, so follow. Hold his hand. Let Jesus Christ lead you. Walk by the Spirit. He also says in Galatians, there are different words he does in the book of Galatians about moving in the Spirit. And then he ends the book of Galatians by saying this, sow into the Spirit. Invest your life into the Spirit of God. Very specific ways on how we operate and function to be, so this perfection of Christ begins to be in, in, incarnated in us. Ephesians 3 says, root deeply in the love of Jesus. And then John 15, Jesus himself says this, remain in Christ, right? Abide in Christ. Remain in his love. So stay there. Park in his love. Park in the fact that only Christ can forgive you, that only Christ can transform you. You will always be weak, but Christ will always be strong. And so remain in this love. Remain in his forgiveness. Remain in his justification. Remain in his sanctification. Remain there. Park. Always understanding that Christ loves you because of what Christ did on the cross not because of anything you've done. You will always need Christ moving in your life. So remain in him. We're called to follow Christ. We're not called to become Jesus. We're called to follow him. And so this perfect Jesus, this perfect one is where we keep our eyes focused on the perfect one. He then builds perfection into us. Perfection will always be assessed and monitored by the thermometer of love. If I'm doing a personal evaluation of myself, if, if, if I'm not loving anyone, then, then I'm not walking with Christ. I'm not abiding. Christ is not moving in me. I'm not being transformed by him if I don't love. If I'm determined not to forgive somebody, then Christ is not perfecting me. I have a family member that is challenging sometimes. No one in the room. But I say of this family member often, I say, if I can't love this person, what kind of a follower of Christ am I? And I check myself. I have to check myself because sometimes this individual can really bother me. God says to me, hey, if you can't love this person, who are you? God invites us to be different. Maybe you've seen the movie The Blind Side, incredible movie. Uh, starring Sandra Bullock. It came out, I think, around 2009, I believe is when it came out. It's, it's based on a true story. But Sandra Bullock, who takes in someone off the street and makes, sorry? Oh, someone who invites someone um, into their home. It's an incredible story uh, about this family. The, the, I, I have a hard time pronouncing the name of this family. It's to, uh, Toy, Toyhe, I believe is how they pronounce their last name. Uh, but anyway, they took in Michael O'Hare's, um, or hers. I can't pronounce his name either. I'm really having trouble this morning. COVID. COVID. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> but this is a family in Memphis, Tennessee, and they were driving down. So Leanne uh, Toy and her husband were driving down. They saw this man walking. It was bitter cold. He was in shorts. 
uh, and uh, he was in a t-shirt and shorts in this very, very cold day. They, walk, they saw him on the street walking and they were driving by. And this is, this is what uh, Leanne said. Said that, <laughs> said that was enough. She said, honey, turn the car around. We're picking him up. And so they turned the car around, literally went over and invited him into their house. And this is, this is what she says. She says, um, says, we saw a need that we could fill. We knew we could actually put clothes on this guy. And so we decided to do it. Says we had the ability to fill it. And, and then she went on to say, we all fell madly in love with him. Uh, probably within 48 hours, he was an instant part of our family. It's a great story. If you haven't seen the movie, Blindside, it's an amazing movie. But they essentially what they did was they took a guy in off the street that they didn't know, uh, put clothes on him, and invited him to be part of their family. And, and this kind of love makes us ask the question, why would you do that, right? That's a, just a different, uncommon kind of a love. Uh, Michael went on to, to, to be raised in their family, went to school, he became part of a football team, is a very skilled athlete, played professional uh, NFL football for eight years uh, uh, as a result of the kind of compassion and love that this family gave him. It's an incredible story. I invite you to watch it. This is the kind of love we're talking about. It's, it's the kind of love that's different than what we see every day of our lives. You know, maybe for, for you, it's, it'll, it'll be something uh, that you can do on a very practical level uh, that maybe you never thought of doing. If you have people who work for you, uh, maybe domestic workers or others, uh, why don't you pay them more than minimum wage? Why not? Pay them three times minimum wage, just for kicks. Love. Basically, we're invited to consider ways in which we can operate that is different from how the world operates. It's an uncommon love. God asks us to be different as his children, to be perfect in the way we love. There is no reward with normal, by the way. The reward comes only with different. Jesus invites New Song Family Church to be different. Not because we're a New Song Family Church. Because we're followers of Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ are expected to love their enemies and pray for those who persecute us. There's tremendous reward if we do this. Not only for us, but for many people who don't know him. The invitation this morning is to be different. To be unique. And to be perfect as Christ perfects his love through us and in us this morning. I invite you to this huge invitation. It's big, not a small thing. I invite you this morning to evaluate truly where you are. And this invitation is for me as well this morning. I need to evaluate the way I love. Am I willing to sacrificially really love people? Am I actually really willing to, to love people that I don't like? Or love people who've done wrong to me? That's what it means to love your enemy. That's the invitation of Christ this morning. And, and, I, and then, I think, then I think we can see something radically happen in our society. We can be that difference. We can be a changer, a true changer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you. We thank you for your grace.
Lord Jesus, you invite us to be different. You invite us to seek after your rewards. And Lord, you, you invite us to be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. So this morning, God, we ask that uh, you continue to work in us, to perfect your love in us. God, thank you for just your incredible patience and your grace to us. Father, none of us in this room are, are good people. Father, we are all sinners saved by your grace. So this morning, we acknowledge that this morning. If nothing else, Father, we acknowledge that, that you came to us while we were still sinners. And Lord, we give you praise for that this morning. Lord, we praise you for your love. Thank you for loving us. In your name I pray, amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.